hey, I know the baskets are only a little bit past, so that's okay. Um, feel free to keep giving in that in. Um, man, my name is Tori. It is good to be here with you all this morning. Uh, I am excited just to be able to worship God together. Um, and yeah, I, it was funny because uh, Friday night, I literally got assassinated by uh, allergies. And I almost texted Josh because Nick is out of town and said, hey, man, I know this is your first week on the job, but would you be ready to preach? And then I got here today, and then I heard his voice, and I was like, man, praise the Lord. I did not do that. I would have stressed him out like crazy. So uh, bear with me this morning. It feels like 12 gladiators are fighting in my throat right now, all right? And so who in here has cedar allergies? Just raise your hand. I rebuke cedar in the name of Jesus, right? <laughs> that joint will not be in the kingdom, right? I, I am confident of that, all right? Um, so, hey, as the baskets keep going, and you'll bear with me, I'm going to be uh, guzzling that water throughout the morning. But uh, we're on our second week of our vision series for 2018, really looking at what God has called us to uh, as a church and kind of where we feel like he is taking us and, and leading us and guiding us throughout 2018 and beyond. So last week, we covered a lot of what we're going to be doing in 2018, highlighting really our, our mission and our vision and really focusing particularly on Exalt Disciples Center. And so if we break down our mission statement, this is kind of who we are. This is what we believe. This is what we are aiming to do. And last week we hit aggressively on the exalt piece and talked a lot about how we have a desire to see Christ exalted in the city of Austin more aggressively, uh, more uh, really just broadly throughout the city as a whole and really our desire to be a part of that. And so we even tied it together with uh, two services and, and, and our, our switch to that in February. 11th, and uh, man, we would encourage you to even invite and within that. Uh, I walked back this morning to run to the restroom real quick before I hopped up here, and people were like, where do I go? Because right now I see like three empty seats, right? And so uh, that's part of that is like, man, we think that God is positioning the world to be able to make much of Jesus in the city of Austin and that we would be able to multiply like crazy within that. The last week of the series will hit on why that's so important is because we really want to be ascending church. And so hence us, as soon as we kind of pass that barrier of, of uh, vitality or of us being able to kind of uh, continue on knowing that we will be a church for a long time here in the city, as soon as we passed that mark, we said, let's find a church planner, right? And then we brought raspy voice Josh up to do that with us, right? And we said, man, we want to be planting churches in the city of Austin. And so the last week of our series, we'll be focusing particularly on the sin piece and really kind of seeing all the different dynamics of sin that God has for us. For the next three weeks, however, we'll be focusing heavily on disciple, and we'll hit all three of the categories of disciple, all right? Equip uh, the saints, reach the world, and live in community. Now, I will admit readily for you type A'ers, okay, we are not hitting this in order. And so that's going to be 10% of the sermon for you is figuring out why we went out of order, all right? But we will hit all three of these. But this week, we're going to focus particularly on equip the saints. Next week, we're going to focus on live in community. And the third week, we will focus on reach the world. Within each of these, however, we're going to try to tackle them a little bit differently than normal and try to highlight different things within this topic, particularly our hope, even as a church this year, as God kind of compels us forward into the world. And so 
So we discussed directly each one of these things in our last vision series, which is about a year and a half ago, and really tried to get the biblical mandate between why we do each of those things. And so if you want to hear more of the reasons, even why we feel that conviction that this is what it looks like, not just for the well, but really kind of to be a church as a whole, then you can go back and listen to those. But this week we'll be particularly focusing on equipping the saints or building up the body, really us, which is the family of God. What does it mean to be equipped by God and by each other for the glory of God that the exaltation of Christ may happen and that the uh, impact of the world may be had by us? And so God in his grace has given us multiple ways in which we can grow and really develop in our intimacy and in our relationship and in our service to him. And so when we are operating how we've been designed by God, this is when I believe we become fully alive. And what I mean by that is that when we are using the gifts that God has given us, when we are using our talents, when we are serving the king as we ought to serve, as we have been equipped to serve, this is when we begin to operate in kind of that prime spot and we really see God for who he is. We see us making an impact. And I believe that God wants each of us to be able to do that for his glory. And so this is our desire that you would come alive for the glory of God in the world. Amen. Like, this is what we want, okay? And so one of the ways that we think about equipping the saints, particularly in this church, is through one-on-one discipleship or one-on-two, one-on-three, and really that intimate discipleship relationship where you would see the multiplication of various things for the glory of God. And so we say this all the time. We think that discipleship is a great way to really uh, challenge and encourage and equip and love and support and kind of spur one another on that God would be seen and that we would... uh, come alive in this. So we believe in discipleship fully. In fact, one of the roles of our community group shepherds is that they would be discipling different men and women, each uh, community group shepherd discipling at least one person, that then that person would go and begin to disciple other people, and that it would begin to multiply and become contagious, really, in our church so that people would be being poured into in an intimate and a personal and a practical way, okay? We say this all the time. We think that discipleship is the key key to what? Yeah, that was my wife. (laughs) Married up, right? Yes, to taking over the world, okay? That is what we are designed to do, right? God has given us the opportunity to really impact the world for the glory of God, and discipleship is one of the pieces of that. We also think, though, things like classes or trainings or seminars, like that is part of equipping the saints too. I know I have been impacted by conferences or or different uh, classes or different things that I've gone to where I have been equipped to really make much of Jesus, and so, man, we want to do that aggressively, and the list could go on. One of the things I want you to realize, though, before we even dive into the sermon is how unbelievably gracious that God is because God is for your growth, right? In fact, he's provided a slew of different ways for us to experience him and to grow in him. Why? Because he is a good father that wants to see you grow just like any father would. I have daughters and I long to see them begin to operate in who God has designed, crafted, and created them to be. And so if I, the scripture says, a wicked father long for that for my daughters, how much more does God long for that for you? He longs for you to grow and he's given you all these opportunities to grow. Like like God is gracious. Amen. 
God is good to us, and he's provided all these methods through which we can grow in him. He loves you. He longs for your development in him, as we'll see even today. However, we see this not just in individual ways, though, but we actually see God's desire for the equipping of the saints, for the people of God, even in his very orchestration and his design of the local church, particularly God, in his beautiful wisdom and in his kind of miraculous grace, has very specific specifically design the church in such a way where you would actually be able to grow most aggressively in your relationship with him and in your service to him as you impact the world for others. God literally uniquely designed the church to be able to do this for you. And this is a beautiful thing. And so the church is meant to blossom your faith or blossom your life, almost like a flower, right, that begins to open up. And the more it opens up, the more beautiful it becomes. Well, the church is the soil and the water in a lot of ways to create that blossoming of the flower. God is for your growth, even in the most basic thing that he designed, like the church. And that's what we're going to focus on today. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. We will camping out in Ephesians chapter 4 the whole morning. So you don't have to turn anywhere. But Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, the usher is going to come forward now. And if you need a Bible, just slip up your hand. They would love to give you one. Um, if you don't own a Bible, man, please take and keep that. That's our gift to you. We want you to have the word to be able to use it throughout the week. And so as they go by, man, go ahead and slip up your hand. You can also follow along on your smartphone. If you have the version app underneath the events section, type in the well, and you can follow along that way. Or take this link and put it right into your browser, and you'll be able to follow along that way as well. We want your eyes on the word, okay? We really believe that God communicates to us through his scriptures, we want to see that more than we want to see me talking or anybody else. Like, man, let's fix our eyes on Christ, on the word, where he's revealed himself most plainly, and be able to see God move. So Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to pick it up in verse 7. Is that me? My bad. Ephesians 4, verse 7. It says this. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay? Now, that's an important phrase, and that starts our whole section. I want to jump down to verse 11 now. It says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ." So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, uh, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is pro uh, equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. My gosh, what a great passage, right? That is like pregnant with all of this truth in it. And so can we have fun with the text and just kind of chop it up a little bit? All right, three people are ready for that. Here we go. Okay, so notice if you go back to verse 7, okay, notice that Christ gave the gifts to each one of us. And we'll see this particularly played out in a second. But what Paul has in mind in this verse is particularly the spiritual gifts. That word gift there is the same Greek word that's used in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 and also in Romans 12 where Paul talks about the spiritual gifts. And so if you're unfamiliar with spiritual gifts and what that means, when you became a Christian, 
what happened was God kind of took some of the natural gifts that he also gave you, and he expanded them to be used for his glory. So for example, before I became a Christian, I was a, a, a teacher just kind of by design. So much so that when I was even in first grade, my teacher got bronchitis, and she had already taken off a ton of time from school, so she didn't want to take off any more time and lose money. And so she made me teach the class for the week, all right? And she said, you're a great teacher. And so the little first grade Tori is teaching other little first graders about how to read a digital or a, a, a clock and stuff, all right? An analog clock. And so uh, that did a lot for my pride because, yep, there you go, okay? And so already, right? But when I became a believer, God took that natural gift and actually expanded it and allowed that to grow in very beautiful ways. And so part of our gifting when we become Christians is God takes the gifts he's already given us and then expands them to even make a greater impact for his glory. However, there's also spiritual gifts that God gives to us, and these are things that we did not possess before we became a believer. And so that happens, uh, uh, you know, for example, I was a good teacher, but I really did not care about people whatsoever. And then I became a Christian, and one of my first experiences was me, like, weeping for the church and, and just seeing the church and, like, loving her. And I'm like, why am I crying? I do not cry for people, right? And so God literally placed something inside of me that was not in me before I became a believer. Why? Because God gifts his individuals to really bless the body that his name may be glorified and that we may grow. This is God's gracious design to us. And so God uses our natural gifts, and when you become a believer, he even imparts to you spiritual gifts so that you may really make much of his name throughout the world, right? You can do this for his glory. And what happens within this is that you end up impacting eternity. There were no amens for that, okay? So let's say this again, right? You, God takes you and places things inside of you that you may have an impact for eternity. Like, like this is profound, friends, <laughs> Right? Like, like, like God gives you gifts for his glory that, that ends up really impacting all of human history, both past, present, and even future, because we fulfill the promises of God. Hebrews 12 tells us we impact people around us now, and this will end up bringing glory to the Lamb forever. And so while God has orchestrated the very Christian life to be for our joy, part of that joy is actually us serving him and the gifts that he's given us to recognize we can make an eternal difference in this world, right? Like literally eternity is impacted. One of the things that we often think about is like, why are we here? What are we on earth for? What, I want to have a difference. I want to have an impact. Friends, impacting eternity, that's about as big as you can get, right? Like, like people who impact the earth in great ways, man, praise God, but this earth is passing away, <laughs> And so at max, they only have an impact, a legacy for a couple hundred of years. But literally, God has hardwired you. He's uniquely designed you in your salvation that you would be able to literally change the scope of eternity. Your life matters. You are valuable. And you're not just valuable because the blood of Christ has covered you if you're a believer. And now he has freed you from your sin and you literally begin to look like Jesus as he makes you like Jesus. The blood of Christ makes you valuable. But literally when you get saved, the Holy Spirit, God himself, comes and dwells inside of you. And then he gives you gifts with which you can make an impact in eternity. Friends, God is doing something profound here in us, right? 
And this is glorious. God gives us gifts. Why? Because he is a gracious God according to the measure of Christ's gift that text tells us. And so Jesus comes to you and says, man, I want you on my team, right? And I'm going to use you for my glory. When I first started playing football, uh, I was actually in seventh grade. Didn't play before then. And when I very first started playing, I was awful, okay? Like really, 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 really bad. So bad that I didn't play at all throughout the year, and I was pretty much just a practice dummy for all of the practices. And so I was so bad that one time I was holding up a little orange practice dummy, and this big eighth grader came and like smashed that thing, and I fell backwards, and I got kind of hurt, and I started tearing up, all right? And I was so embarrassed that I started crying a little bit more because I was embarrassed that I was crying in the first place, and I was hoping, I was praying to God. I didn't even believe in God at the point. But I was like, God, if you're real, do not let this man see my tears, right? And he looked at me and he said, coach, male's crying. <laughs> All right? And I felt so terrible. So I didn't really play much, right? But the last game of the season, the coach put me in uh, for kickoff. And the guy on the other team, it was Lincoln Middle School, ends up busting it down the middle, and he's running right at me, all right? And he does this little move, and I kind of fall forward a little bit, but I'm faster than him. So I catch up to him, and I jump on his waist and start trying to wrestle him down, and he dragged me all the way into the end zone, all right? And so it was like I was 4.3 pounds, okay? And so it was so bad that as I walked over to the sideline, the coach just looked at me the whole time, like, I never got in again, right? Okay, God says, right, no, 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 right? You are playing, get on the field, okay? I have given you gifts, I have hardwired you, you're playing, get in the game. And what happens is, is that he matures you and he stretches you and he encourages you and, and he makes it so that you don't get drug in the end zone by this world, right? And what happened was, is that over time, as I kept practicing and kept getting better and kept kind of honing in some of these uh, natural gifts of athleticism that the Lord gave me, I got better and better to the point where I ended up going to college to play football, which you wouldn't have thought when I was in seventh grade, right? And some of us, we don't recognize the gifts that God has given us because we're not practicing a whole lot. We're like seventh grade Tory, right, who just started playing and who isn't really using the gifts as much and doesn't know how to use the body in certain ways to wrestle the guy down or, or doesn't know how to, how to actually, you know, absorb a block or something. And so God has gifted you in certain ways that you would actually be able to get in the game, and he wants you in the game. He's given everybody a gift that they may make an impact in the world around them. Amen? And this is you, friends. If you are a believer in Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. And the same spirit that dwelled in Paul to write this letter, and the same spirit that dwells in Josh to plant a church, and the same spirit that dwells in me or in, in Eric or in whoever, it also dwells in you. God wants to use you to make much of his name, and this impacts eternity, every one of you. This is profound, friends. Notice that Christ gave gifts according to his grace, meaning that people have different gifts, some maybe even more than others, but Jesus gave all of these things for his glory. And so you did not possess them before, but now you do possess them because God and his grace has delivered this over to us. And so Christ did not just save you for you, but rather he actually saved you to be able to make an impact in the world around you. Christ saved you to really do something for his glory. Notice 
that in case you're kind of like, well, I don't know, what about me? And you don't feel very confident. This text says that grace was given to each one of us. Which one of you is not a part of the each? All right? Well, that's all of us. That was an awkward sentence, wasn't it? All of you are a part of the each. That's the answer, right? Okay? Every human. So praise the Lamb. God has gifted you in these ways. Now, jump down to verse 11, okay? Jesus gave these gifts. Why? It was to equip the saints, right? I didn't put a copyright next to our phrase, equip the saints, but this bad boy was stolen right from Scripture, okay? And so it was to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We'll get back to the actual gifts in a second, the uh, gifts that Paul talks about. But go down to verse 13, and notice in verse 13 that it is God who has given us these gifts and people with these gifts to be able to grow us as a whole. And so not just that we would grow to become better people, but literally that we would be maturing into adulthood, into the fullness of Christ. Like God has placed these gifts inside of you that you would grow in order to look like Jesus entirely. This is crazy too, right? This is an amen moment too, right? Like God has gifted you in such a way that you would literally look like the most beautiful, divine, God-like man because he was literally God in the flesh. This is what God is trying to make you into, and he has gifted all of us that we would grow into the image of Christ, that we would literally look like Jesus, that we would be shaped and changed and molded in such a way where we would become one with Christ Praise the Lamb. He has made you to be sanctified, to look more and more like Jesus. Notice, too, that Paul says we all attain the unity of the faith or complete or full faith or full maturity. This actually means that every single church, if they're an actual church, God places and draws people into this body to equip the saints so that they can kill the flesh, so that they can live like Jesus, they can love others, that they may become fully alive. God gifts the local church that they may become alive in him. And so it's actually in the local church that we see these gifts functioning holistically that we may even grow into the image of the fullness of Christ. Verse 16 also hints at this, which we'll look at a little bit later. It says, every joint, every single individual member, every person actually does something to really make much of Jesus to highlight his glorious name. And we see that God uses people, us people, to really help us not be tossed around even by empty doctrine and, and waves and winds that don't make any sense. In fact, I actually love how the NLT paraphrases verse 14. Look at this real quick. It says that we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. No, we're going to be rooted underneath the blood of Jesus. We're going to surround ourselves with the truth of the gospel, with the centrality of Christ forever. Why? Because the church actually comes around, even protects that in those ways. There's a bunch more in this, and we'll chop it up a little bit more. But the text is very, 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 very clear as to what God is doing here. God gives gifts to believers, even leadership gifts or offices, as we'll look at in a second, to every single church that individuals may be built up to look like, act like, and live like Jesus. He gives gifts to believers that every single church will be built up to look like, act like, to live like Jesus. This is God's gracious gift to us, and he has given that to our body as well. 
One of the things that God does is he places leaders in the church to really help them grow. And there's all sorts of different gifts, as we just mentioned, throughout Corinthians and Romans. But even here, there's even leadership gifts or offices that God gives each church to really help the church continue to flourish and to grow. And Paul mentions them here in Ephesians 4. He mentions the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the shepherd, and the teacher there in verse 11. And so quickly, let me highlight them so that we know what we're even talking about here, okay? And we're going to speed through these, but the apostle, that's the first one. This word literally means one who is sent out, okay? So they see a need somewhere, and they go, and they start it. These are missionaries, church planners, entrepreneurs, people who like to start things. These are the apostles. And so you think about somebody like a John Mann or a Joe Hindi who are covenant members who are in India right now. Why? Because they see a need for the gospel there. There's no work going. So they went over because they said, man, we got to start some sort of work here. And so there are pioneer types. They see the need for the gospel and they do something about it. On our staff, Nick is very apostle-like. He's always thinking, what's next? Where do we have to go? How do we get there? What do we need to do? Always looking ahead in some of those ways, right? Think about the rest of this passage. How do these people grow the body? Well, they literally start things in the body and outside the body that aren't currently in the body that the body needs to grow, right? And so this is what the apostle does. The apostle is the starter, The prophet is the second thing that Paul mentions. Many people think that this is telling the future, but that's not what the prophet does, okay? In fact, even in the prophets in the Bible, only about 3% of their prophecies were foretelling or telling the future. The other 97% of what was said was actually uh, speaking the truth about what God had already said through the word and what's going to happen as a result of God's word. So really what prophets are is they are truth tellers. They know God's word. They can see God's word really clearly, and they communicate that to others that we may not be misaligned, that we may not be tossed by every wind of doctrine, right? And so they explain the truth, mainly what's already been spoken through the word. And so what happens is they're often able to stand back from the circumstances around them and say, no, 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 this is what the Lord says, right? And God has spoken most plainly, most clearly through his word, so it submits to the word of God. Therefore, they understand the times, they know what people should do. They hear from God, and they communicate this to others. And so you think about people like Amai or Kirk Richards even, right? They build the body because they help us hear what God is saying, and then they kind of communicate that. And a lot of times it feels like it's out of left field, but you go, my gosh, that's really true in my life. Thank you for speaking that into me, right? If you want a good book on this, Sam Storms, uh, Practicing the Power, is a really, really good book. Sam Storms is a, a, a great theologian, and that's a good way to think about how prophecy interacts in the church today. Evangelist is the third one he mentions. This is someone who brings the good news and who's ready to share it, right? They're a gospel sharer. So you think about people like Deanna Christensen or Tim Eagy. There's a burden for people who do not know Jesus, and there's a desire to go do something about it, and they see a lost person, and they go, man, I want you to know who Jesus is. Like, I, I want you to understand the glories of Christ. Come to church with me. I would love to, to hear the gospel message. Hey, come over to my house, and there's a desire to see the church grow they build the body. Why? Because they literally expand the body, right? People who are not a part of the body actually get imported into the body because Christ draws them through this man or through this woman, and they make the body grow in beauty. Why? Because God is continually adding people in who do not yet know him because God loves them. 
He's gifted them too. He expands the bride of Christ in these beautiful ways. A shepherd is someone who kind of cares for people's hearts, or a pastor is another word there. They frequently seek to encourage or care for or even rebuke the church. And so while shepherds, they speak, or or, or, uh, sorry, while evangelists, they may speak the truth and love to those outside the church, the shepherd often speaks the truth and love to those inside the church. And so you kind of think about somebody who just makes you feel loved, right, or encouraged. Like even when they're rebuking you, you're like, man, why? do I feel so loved? And you're like smacking me right now, right? They're probably a good shepherd, okay? They tend to extend a lot of patience with people and say, man, I want to see you grow into all of who Christ has made you. I think about people like Chase Kreitler or Callie Ward, where we are around them, there's just a sense of encouragement or uplifting. You're like, man, I just, these people love me, right? And they want to see you grow. They build the body because they know the body. They can point out where you're supposed to go. And then finally, a teacher is the last thing Paul mentions. This is someone who loves to teach, right? So they see God's word very clearly. They communicate this effectively to others. We just did a preaching and teaching class. I thought about Harrison Minor or Michaela Garrison or Takasha Smith, different people who went through that, where it's like when they took the word and began to handle it, you started seeing things there that literally you didn't see before, and it was like, oh, my gosh, the word of God started unfolding, and you got encouraged and and lifted up and, and drawn toward Christ. So all of these gifts, they're all meant to build the body. They are all meant to speak the truth in love, some of them in different ways at different times, but God has gifted every single church with all sorts of individuals to kind of come together to build up the church as a whole that you would become fully alive in who Christ has made you to be. And so this is God's gracious gift to the church as a whole. Within all of these, Jesus gave these gifts because he loves us and because he wants us to grow. And so Jesus is about equipping the saints. This is what Jesus' goal is. This is his heart, is that he wants you developed into all of who he has made you to be. And the main way that he does this, friends, catch this, don't miss this. The main way that he does this is through the local church. You see this all throughout the scriptures. There's individual ways to grow, grow, like reading your Bible and praying or fasting. There are uh, ways to grow when you are obedient to him, like killing sin or going and sharing the gospel. But more than anything else in the scriptures, there are all these one another commands. And in order to fully follow Christ, we have to be connected to one another. In fact, all throughout this text, Paul is fighting for unity. And before this, he says, one spirit, one faith, one hope, one love, one baptism. He wants this unity because it is in the local church that these are most expressed. And so you see Paul doing this dance between the individual and then the church as a whole. So he says, hey, individual giftings are meant for the growing of the whole church. Individual holiness is meant for the uh, 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 uplifting of, of all the saints around us. And Paul goes back and forth of, hey, look, there is something personal here. There is an individuality in this, but it's actually for the collective whole. And so while your faith is definitely personal, right, your faith is not private because your faith is actually meant to encourage all of those around you that all of us may be edified and built up. We see this even in verse 16. It says that every joint needs to be working properly. Every single joint, when it is equipped, working properly, this is when we will function as we ought, right? This is when we will look most like Jesus. If we are going to equip the saints as a church, if we are going to be saints who are equipped, who live our lives in an equipped way, then we actually need everyone involved. Every joint, every ligament, every muscle, every bone, every eyelash involved. 
right? All of it, okay? You ever seen the Oceans movies? Yeah, three people, all right. <laughs> right? And the Oceans movies, right, like Oceans 11, you have all these different uh, men and women, and they're all gifted in these different ways. And what happens is, is that they all use their gifts at the perfect time in order to pull off the, the great heist. Maybe they're trying to rob a casino in one of them, right, and take all their money. And so each of them have to be operating perfectly, and the other ones can't do the other people's gifts because they don't know how to do those things, but they all need each other at the right time in order to pull off the great heist, right? Well, man, maybe we all are like those ocean movies, except we're trying to rob the kingdom of hell, right, and take it away and bring it into the kingdom of God, okay, or to use Paul's analogy, right, because that was a really bad uh, parallel tie. Y'all tried, y'all laughed, like, ha, that's cute, all right, that was really bad, but Paul's analogy, right, you think about the ligaments of a body. Have you ever hurt a ligament? right, or something that you thought didn't really matter that much, like say a pinky or something, okay? In fact, like uh, several months ago, I actually hurt my pinky, and uh, there's a picture. It's really hard to tell here, okay? It's really ugly. You can tell it's like three times as big as my ring finger, and it's like all swollen and red. I should have thought about the lights hitting that, but it was terrible, okay? And what happened is this little pinky, you can see it's on my left hand, okay, which I'm left-handed. I couldn't write I couldn't, like, turn the page of my Bible that hurt so bad, right? And there's nothing that I can do. And it felt like something that was so useless, my pinky. Like, if there's anything to cut off, then cut off my pinky. It doesn't matter. Like, no, that bad boy matters aggressively, right? And what happens is, is that actually, as something gets hurt or it is not functioning properly, then you begin to lean too much on other members of the body. And you put too much emphasis on them. And often the body then gets hurt and that way, and that's what happens in the church when every ligament, every member isn't functioning properly. You put too much pressure, too much weight on one thing, and so we put all of our energy and focus and time and money and resources and thought and understanding onto the evangelist because the shepherd and the prophet aren't stepping up and using their gifts, so we reach, 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 but we never grow, and then the mission dies after one generation because there's no forthcoming because the shepherd didn't step up. Or you let the shepherds step up and they grow, 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 and everybody feels loved and supported. No, I love this, I love this, but nobody else is coming in, right? And the mission stops, why? Because the movement stops because you are leaning too much on one ligament. And so even the, the, the gifts, the talents that seem less important or less valuable friends, these are important. And so maybe you are somebody who feels like, oh, I'm just a pinky in the kingdom of God. Yo, we need you. Right? Like, like this is important. This is valuable. This is part of the body. It takes every single, not member, not bone, every ligament, Paul says, to function well. If the body is going to be equipped as it ought, we need each other. You hear me saying this all the time. You cannot do this on your own, right? The body needs everybody so we can fully function. And this is the phrase I always say because I don't know how else to say it. I need you. You need me. And we need each other, right? I need you. Listen, I just talked about being a shepherd, but I'm a shepherd that has, like, no mercy, which sounds kind of weird. But, like, I love the people of God. I love them. But when you're hurting, I'm like, oh, gosh, that really sucks, man. But in my head, I'm like, I wonder what I'm going to do for lunch, 
right? That sounds bad, right? But I'm like, man, I'll give you my time, my energy, my effort, all of me, okay? But I need somebody with a mercy gift to kind of come along and say, but we actually got to do something, brother, <laughs> right? Like, you can't just pray for them or just teach the word. Like, like we need some of this, okay? Or we need somebody who cares about, about the people who do not know Jesus and the reality of what's going to happen to them if they die without knowing Christ. Like, we cannot forget that. We need the evangelist to step up right? We need the person that has hospitality to welcome us in because, listen, we are a diverse church, and without good hospitality, man, there is going to feel a lot of unwelcoming situations, so we need the person with hospitality to bring us all together. And as you go on and on and on with each gift, you realize they are all valuable if the kingdom of God is going to grow as it ought. God has given you gifts not just for your personal health, but for the health as a church as a whole, that the saints may become fully equipped. And so we then kill the what-can-I-get-out-of-it consumer mentality that a lot of church folk have, and we say, no, 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 what can I give into it? Because this is what Christ did for us, right? How can I honor them? How can I grow them? How can I give myself that they may be alive, okay? We need every ligament. In fact, I just mentioned the diversity of our church, and uh, in, uh, back in October and November time frame, we did a sermon series on justice, and one of the things we hit on was racial reconciliation. It's one of the things I love about our church is how diverse our church actually is, and I long for it to grow in even more diversity, honestly, but one of the things we hit on was that in diversity, you actually see the fullness of God displayed, right? So as all tongues, tribes, peoples, nations come together, we actually see God displayed more and more beautifully so that the fullness of God is on display. The, the glory of God is maximized to us, and that's why we honor people of different cultures even because they show us something different about God. Okay, well, if this is true with something like our race or our culture or our tongue, then wouldn't this be true also of our spiritual gifts? You need every gift coming alive if you're going to see the full plethora and glory of God and who he is. You tracking with that? right? Like, like every gift. Is God hospitable? He's about to let a joker like me into heaven. That's pretty hospitable, <laughs> right? Is God merciful? We see it so clearly in the person of Jesus. Is, is God an evangelist? Yes, we, we see all these gifts, and as we actually use our gifts together, that begins to build up the body of Christ that she may reach her full maturity, her fur, full beauty. And this is where we see the gospel come alive most clearly, friends, is that Christ was the perfect example for us. You see, even as you think about those gifts mentioned, Jesus is the great apostle, is he not? John 3 says, sent from the Father, comes down to earth to start a work where there was none, the, the work of redemption, John 1 tells us. And even in Genesis chapter 3, we see Jesus coming down and saying, there's a problem, there's no solution, I'll go fix it. Right? Jesus is our great apostle. Jesus is also our great prophet because every single word that flooded out of his mouth was the very words of God to us. He spoke the words of God most clearly, most truly, and we could trust every single little tiny sentence that he said because he was the true prophet of God. He was also the great evangelist who loved the people who did not know God and longed for them to come into the kingdom. You think about his interaction with the woman at the well or his interaction with the sinner named Matthew or his interaction with the Pharisee Nicodemus and all different types of people God was drawing in, right? He's the great shepherd. 
who John 10 says lays down his life for the sheep. And he's the great teacher, literally named rabbi. So people called him most oftenly. He's the the rabbi, the one who uh, actually comes and, and delivers the word of God to us. I mean, you think about things like the Sermon on the Mount. He's the, the great teacher for us, right? Jesus is literally the embodiment of all of these gifts. But then you think about it, friends, and what does the gospel actually show us in its entirety? Well, it shows us that Jesus actually laid down these gifts that he may purchase you, win you into the kingdom, give you gifts that you may partner with him to build up the kingdom. Because, see, Jesus didn't die like an apostle. He died like a criminal. Jesus was bearing the weight of sin on the cross, and he laid down his life that you may be saved. Jesus did not die like a teacher, but he died in silence. The only words that he is uttering is, is those of agony and, and grief. Jesus literally, though possessing all of those gifts, laid them down that you, who do not possess any of those gifts naturally, may have them, that you may be brought into the family, uh, changed by the beauty of Christ, and then used for his glory. This is the gospel. And Jesus, in his grace and in his, his beauty, has invited you in to literally impact eternity. And not only this, friends, not only does Jesus' blood save you and reconcile you with God, but he brings you into unity. In fact, in John 17, this is what he prayed for before he died, that we would be unified, all coming around together, not the same, but just unified. In fact, we're very different, right? But as we take these differences and connect them together, we become one really highlighting the glory of God. This was Jesus's whole, right, intention even of drawing such a diverse people into his family that all of our gifts and all of our personalities and all of who we are would come together to make much of Jesus. We need all of you if we're going to showcase the glories of Christ most plainly right? Really what he's doing is he's restoring what he kind of started in Genesis, where Adam and Eve were co-laborers with him, working, using the gifts that God gave them to really make much of Jesus. Well, he's drawing us back into that same thing that we would work to cultivate and create and beautify his creation to make much of his name. And this is what happens. We take these gifts today and we use them for the body of Christ. And so as we serve one another, we become a greater and greater body, a more beautiful body that really highlights the glory of who his name, of his name. So this is why it's kind of the same application as last week. And I would say, man, this is where it gets so important. The rubber meets the road is I would say, join the family, right? Like, like we need your gifts to really make much of Jesus. I need your gifts to see the beauty of Jesus most clearly, honestly, right? Like, like I was talking to Sarah today before she walked up here. I said, man, has Cedar hit you too? She said, oh, it's crushing me. And then she sang like an angel, right? If I sounded like that when I had Cedar, you'd know I'd be singing, I'd be singing my sermons, right? But no, like, man, we need somebody who's gifted in worship. We need somebody who comes in and I'm stressed and I'm sick and they just smile at me and say, Tori, I missed you, man. How was your week? And I go, oh, thank you for loving me, right? I'm ready to be here. We literally need every part of the body that we would see the fullness of Christ, and so it may not be the well. I said that last week too, right? But the local church is God's means of taking over the world for the sake of his glory. And so find some local church that you would give your gifts to, that you would pour yourself out for, that the glory of God may be most evidently on displayed. 
We think about things like covenant community. That's why we push that. Say, hey, come on in, join the family, literally be a, a community and covenant with one another. We would serve one another, honor one another, lay down our lives for each other. We think about even we're switching to two services soon. Man, listen, we need y'all serving, right? If we're going to pull this off, like, man, we want to see Christ more exalted even here in this part of Austin. And so we need that. But God has given you gifts, whether they seem big or small, to, to really make a difference. And so you may think, well, how do I know if I'm an apostle? How do I know if I'm an evangelist? Serve, right? That's how you see it most plainly. How do I know if I'm a football player? I didn't, so I played for a couple of seasons. And then as those gifts developed, I realized, oh, man, maybe this is part of what God has created me to be. How do you know? Well, man, just jump in and serve. We'll chat about this in community groups in a couple of weeks and look at this more plainly. But I want us to see just the exaltation of Christ and how he has designed us in this family to make much of his name. I'll close with this. Uh, this Monday, the college football national championship happened. Boo, we all hate Alabama, all right? I can't stand Alabama, okay? And so the whole game, I'm like, go Georgia. I am not even a Georgia fan, but I was like, bulldogs, all right? And of course, at halftime, Georgia's crushing it, okay? And they're killing it. And I'm like, yeah, Nick Saban, we hate you, right? But I still love you with a brotherly love, but okay? And so what happened is, okay, is that they then switched quarterbacks. In fact, Jake Ridley texted me and said, Nick Saban's not a good in-game coordinator or coach, whatever. And then they switched quarterbacks. They came back and crushed Georgia at the end, right? When it was all said and done. And this freshman quarterback that literally did not play any meaningful snap the whole season, right, comes in. Jalen Hurts, if you don't know was they took Bama to the national championship and they lost with one second left last year. Then they won almost every game this year. He took them back to the national championship. They sit that dude down at halftime, okay? The freshman comes in, he crushes it, and Bama comes back and wins again, all right? And what happened was they, they interviewed these two dudes afterwards, and the freshman quarterback was just sterile-faced, like, yeah, you know, coach just tells us trust the process, and I was just ready to go. Uh, my mom's going to kill me. All glory to God. And, and, right? and he's just kind of talking. He's like, bro, you are a freshman that just that never played a snap and then came in and won the national championship. I'd be like, hey, right? Okay? But literally, okay, he comes in, he's sterile-faced. Then they go to Jalen Hurts. And my man's is like, man, I'm so happy for Tua, right? He came and he crushed it. Man, we just, we trust the coach. We, we trust the process. We, we get it. That's why we're here. Doug, you just almost, like you lost your starting role probably. And he was all for his other quarterback. Why? Because they just trust the process, right? And they were doing this to do something that is far less kingdom impact than what we have as a church, they were doing it for something that literally will not change eternity. In fact, you'll forget both those quarterbacks' names in the next 10 years. But God has given us the capability of doing that for the church. What if, what if we had the mindset like those two quarterbacks, recognizing that when God calls us in the game, we get in and we're smooth like that freshman quarterback, right? Or we su support like Jalen or whatever it may be. We do what it takes. We lay down our gifts for the glory of God that he may be exalted in this city because Jesus is worthy. He is worthy, amen? Let's do that as a body, friends. Let's make much of Jesus by reproducing disciples who impact the world for the glory of God by using our gifts to equip the saints that Jesus may be exalted. I love you guys. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you 
for gifting the church and for for doing a good work in our hearts that you may draw us together and really take a bunch of broken people, Jesus. I was broken before you, Christ. And then you you come and you, you gift us in these ways and you allow us to literally make a difference in eternity. And so, God, I pray that you would encourage us to get in the game, whatever that may look like, Jesus, that we would use our gifts to make much of you And Jesus, when we feel like we're not doing much, when we feel like the freshman quarterback that's just sitting the whole season and we don't see how our gifts are really really making a difference in eternity, I pray that you would show us, Jesus, that you would show us how even the simplest things actually can make a a grand impact in eternity at large. Jesus, I pray for those who are wrestling with you and, and don't really know who you are. Christ, I pray they would see that in your loving grace, you died for them, that they may be reconciled with you. They may be connected back again to the Father above. But also, Jesus, that you died for them, that they would be brought into your team, have purpose in their life, and literally live a life that is impactful. Christ, draw, draw in, do a good work, draw us all in, Jesus, that we would be able to highlight you for the rest of our lives. We love you, Christ. I pray this in your very beautiful name. Amen.